are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you on October 13th of 2021. Sorry for this being a little bit of an uh, extended a, uh, absence for us. I know we recorded last week on Monday. Um, we were going to had off all the intentions of coming back after both wildcard games were over. Um, but we'll let Matt, uh, Matt explain what the, uh, the holdup was. Yeah, so uh, you know we were gonna go- come back after the wild card games, preview the NLDS, have a nice episode last Wednesday, and then uh, then the weather happened. That we had, <laughs> um, some extreme flooding here in Birmingham, where I had a uh, they had we they recorded 14 inches of rain in like four hours. That's crazy. And yeah, that's probably about as much rain as you get in a year, Damien. Yeah, probably. And um, we got um. We had some severe flooding, including in my little uh, townhouse community here, where I had about a foot and a half of water all around my house, and it didn't really leak onto my floors that much. But uh, you know, I it couldn't really record. Uh, the internet was out because I looked outside; my internet cable was in front of my neighbor's house, and uh, <laughs> the uh, the box was like sticking out of the ground, and uh, <laughs> it was it was rough, and uh, luckily. Luckily, it didn't damage anything too bad in my house. There's still mud all over the place in my in my driveway and, and on the road behind my house and all that stuff. But uh, luckily, I didn't have any severe damage inside and everything you know outside, like like the cable and stuff, is paid for. So um, it could have been a lot worse for me. But I have a lot of a lot of people around here um, have pretty severe property damage. And, and the crazy thing is that you know I wasn't in a floodplain, so I don't have flood insurance on my house because it's I'm with I'm outside of a 500 year floodplain. So that's how crazy this amount of rain we got was in the flooding. So um, it was there's so much flooding that or so much rain that it caused a flood that was probably a once every 500 years flood. So just uh, I'm just glad that it wasn't any worse than it was. But uh, but yeah, so we, we weren't able to do that last Wednesday, but we had a great week of baseball and uh, we're going to we're going to get into it tonight. So, yeah. And then we, you know, usually we record on Tuesdays, but there was so much happening yesterday. Um, we had three potential game uh, game clinching scenarios um and there's no games today so we we decided just to push it one day so we could have the most up-to-date like this is who's moving on or you know potential game five scenarios but uh we'll go ahead and jump right in we've wasted enough of your guys' time already uh we'll start over in the al um with the wild card game we had the red Sox versus the yankees um and that was an insane game to say the least garrett cole really struggled throughout the game i think he had like 50 something pitches um in the third inning when they ended up pulling him out um he had given up three runs um and really just the yankees didn't have anything to answer Uh, once boston got that lead they kind of shut it down um boston ended up winning that game 6-2 yeah that was a tough game for the yankees um you know, the first things first, a lot of people are giving Garrett Cole a lot of grief. And, and you know, a lot of a lot of that goes back to the fact that when he after the spin rate, uh, I mean, after the sticky stuff thing changed, his his spin rate dropped and his he didn't pitch quite as well. But he was still very good until late September when he started dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury. So I think that the issues he had yesterday, or not yesterday, uh, last week had a lot more to do with the, the hamstring injury and not being 100%. Um, you know, he had struggled late in September after after he went down and missed the start from that. So 
uh, that that's definitely something that was unfortunate for him. But the Yankees just looked like they were tight. They came out weren't weren't ready to go. Um, you know, you have the first inning where you know Giancarlo Stanton hits a fly ball off the monster and he pimps it, thinks it's a home run, and ends up at first base. You know, and I mean, you know, and also that probably cost Matt Vasquez his job. So. Um, because he was watching Stanton and yelling, it's gonna, it's gonna be gone, it's gonna be gone, and then it hits the middle halfway up the wall. It's like, well, okay, buddy. Uh, but, um, but yeah, Native Aldi looked extremely good in that game. Uh, you know, I think he had several strikeouts and looked dominant. Uh, the Yankees did claw back a little bit, but but the Red Sox just too much hitting. Uh, you know, Xander Bogarts I think homered in the game. I think Devers might have home. Schwarber homered in the game. Which was funny because, you know, Schwarber homered off of Garrett Cole when Cole was a pirate and Schwarber was a cub in the wild card game in the NL. So then he homered off of him in the AL wild card game as a Red Sox against the Yankees. So that was kind of interesting. But, um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty good game. The atmosphere at Fenway seemed incredible. The fans were really into it from the beginning, as you would have expected in that game. Um, so, uh, and, and it, you know, advanced the Red Sox zone to play the their division rival, their other division rival in the Rays. So it was, that was a very entertaining way to start the postseason yeah it really was like you said the energy in Fenway was insane you know especially for those rivalry games it's always going to get you know get even more crazy um and, and we kind of have that going on with a little bit in one of the series we'll talk about in a minute but uh let's jump over to the NL wild card game where we had the uh the Dodgers versus the Cardinals in Los Angeles um this game was a nerve-wracking game for for me, at least, I mean, as a Dodger fan, you know, the Cardinals come out right in the first inning. They take a lead on on a wild pitch from Max Scherzer, who just doesn't look like himself. His command was was really all over the place, but he battled the rest of the game, and, and he I didn't let the Cardinals score again. Um, and then in the fourth inning, the Dodgers get a run. I forgot how they get that one. Was it? It was Turner. Uh, Turner Justin, homered. Justin Turner homered. Yeah, Turner homered. It was the first curveball Adam or first home run on an Adam Wake. Wainwright curveball this year I saw and it was the first one that he had given up in like 150 innings of something I don't it was something insane like against the curveball um but that tied the game at one and then it went all the way down into the ninth inning and Chris Taylor came in to pinch hit didn't get the start which was really talked about because he had been one of the best Dodger players all year but kind of struggled later on um down the stretch and he comes in and hits a massive Two run home run to walk it off and send the send the Dodgers into playing the uh, the Giants in the NL or NLDS. Yeah, that was a great game as well. Uh, you know, I think we all expected Adam Wainwright to, to pitch really well after the you know after the season he had, you know, and the the ability that he's always had as a postseason performer. Um, but you know, we expected Max Scherzer to pit, match him pitch for pitch, which he really didn't. Um, I mean, it, you know, the Cardinals had base runners the entire. You know, time Scherzer was in the game. He didn't even go five innings in the game, which was kind of surprising. But, um, you know, the thing about that makes the Dodgers so good is that the depth. And, you know, they've got a lot more depth in that bullpen. And the Cardinals, you know, ended up getting down to, you know, they got through Gallegos. They got through a couple guys. They ended up getting down to Alex Reyes, who has been absolutely absurdly bad in the second half. And, um, you know, that ended up being the, the one that cost them. He hung a, hung a slider to, to Chris Taylor and, um, anytime you have a, you know, a low scoring game, you know, like that, it, it's one big hit. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the thing you expect in the postseason These low scoring games. You don't have, you know, f- at least five, number fives pitching. You don't have a lot of number fours pitching. It's, it's the top of the rotation guys all the time. 
and you just never know what you might end up seeing. And, you know, it turns out it was a great fight from the Cardinals. You know, not many people expected them to beat the Dodgers, and, you know, it was a good – it was a really, really entertaining game. And, uh, you know, it happened that the Card- that the Dodgers were able to pull it off and, and move on. So uh, both wild card games were pretty pretty entertaining. The, the Red Sox game after the first few innings got a little bit dull, but just because it wasn't really that close of a game. And, uh, you know, it ended up 6-2, to two and it really didn't feel that close. So um, then, of course, the uh, you know that that Dodgers that Dodgers Cardinals game was a nail biter all the way to the end. So oh, you're um, telling me. Yeah. So um, you know, uh, just really, really fun, really, really fun wild card games. That that wild card format, I think it would be cool to have a three game series for the wild card format, just because it takes a little bit of the randomness out of it. But you know, that one game is so fun every year. It seems like it seems like it always it always pays off. So. Um, but that that we'll, that uh, that's definitely yeah. something we'll talk about in the off season about maybe this wild card format because it, it's something that I have heard more about like obviously over the time but obviously this year being a being a fan of a hundred and six win team that was the second best record in baseball and being in there it kind of gives you a new little perspective on it as well so maybe we'll come back to that in the off season about like maybe what the format should look like or something yeah but. Let's go ahead and we'll jump over to the ALDS now, and we'll start with the uh, the Houston Astros versus the Chicago White Sox. Um, in Game One, pretty much Houston just they their batting just was insane, and then Lance McCullers just pretty much shut it down from the start. Um, you know, he's one of the best big game pitchers there is, and he went six and two thirds, four hits, you know, four strikeouts. Didn't strike out as many people as he usually does, but you know, no runs, no walks just really didn't allow anybody to do anything while Lance Lynn from the White Sox struggled with three and two thirds, six hits, five runs. Um, and just right away, Houston just, just took the lead and ran with it. Yeah. You know, the, the Astros are a very experienced postseason team. You know, all the guys that they have have played in big moments and, and, and you know, in, in big games, played in world series. Um, you look at Lance McCullers as a guy who, you know, is on both of their teams that made it to the World Series. Um, you know, this is their fifth year in a row making it to the ALCS. So they, they're they very experienced in, in winning these these games, winning this, you know, and winning in the postseason. And um, this is a really tough matchup for Lance Lynn as a guy who throws, I think, like around 90% fastballs, at least variations of fastballs. He throws cutters, sinkers, and four-seamers. And, um, you know, the, it's, it's a rough matchup because the, the Astros just hunt fastballs. And, you know, they were able to do that and, and really hit him around. McCullers, the, the key stat I think you, you had there was that McCullers didn't walk anybody in that game, which he was actually pretty walk-prone this year, uh, over four walks per nine in the regular season. So that was very important for the, for the, uh, for the Astros to have that game won you know, get some, get some nerves off, get the White Sox on their heels. And then after game one, I mean, it was really not that close except for game three, which was won by the, uh, by the White Sox. You had, you know, on, um, on, on, on fr- Thursday, you had the six to one game Friday. You had a nine to four win for the, for the Astros. Uh, Saturday, it was a very crazy game where, Houston actually went up five to nothing. Chicago came all the way back, took the lead, ended up pulling away at the end, won the game. And then Monday you had the, um, you know, you had a 10 to one blowout. 
So, uh, you know, it was tough. There were some tough pitching decisions. Obviously, if you watched it, Carlos Rodon wasn't really 100%. He, he looked pretty good, and he threw real well in the first inning or two. His velocity was back some, but he ran out of gas pretty quick, probably due to not pitching a lot in the second half after injuries. Um, so that was a big deal. Um, you know, Kopech got hit around a little bit. So, um, but I mean, the big thing to me is that the White Sox pitching staff, which, I mean, you had those four starters who all four were, you know, honestly close to ace level for four different guys. You had all four of them. And then you had, on top of that, you had a bullpen that included, you know, Aaron Bummer. It includes, uh, it included Garrett Crochet, Michael Kopech. And, you know, that's not even to mention Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. So, I mean, that, that pitching staff is really the strength of that team. And they just got lit up. They struggled real bad. 794 ERA in the series. You know, Dylan Cease was gave up three runs in one and two third inning. He was a top 10 starter or top 15 starter in baseball. Giolito gave up four runs in four and a third innings. Um, even Kimbrell and Hendricks out of the bullpen really struggled. There was only one pitcher that pitched more than one and a third innings that didn't give up a run. And that was Garrett Crochet who gave up five hits and a walk and two and a third inning. So he really probably should have given up a run, but um, it was a really rough outing for the really, really, really rough outing for the, uh, for the white Sox. And you kind of expect it uh, as a team without all that, you know, experience in the postseason. And, uh, you know, I thought the white Sox would come out and play better at home than they did. You know, there was their first home playoff game since, you know, 2008. So, um, you know, you kind of expected that crowd to really be into it. And they were, and they did win that first game at home in a big comeback. But, um, you know, you look at um, that series as a whole, and, I mean, it just – the it's kind of the flip-flop of what a lot of people would have expected. I mean, you know, the Astros pitching should shut down the White Sox. You, you would think that if the, for the Astros to win, every game would have to be kind of high scoring, and it wasn't. Yeah, the, the Houston offense is just – it's so dang good. I mean, even with the loss of George Springer, you know, it seems like Kyle Tucker pretty much just got right in that lineup and picked up right where Springer left off. Um, you know, Bregman's missed a big chunk of the season, but he's back. Correa has had a really good year going into free agency. Uh, and this the, the whole offense just – they hit everything. Like you said, they hunt fastballs, so it's kind of a bad matchup with a team like um, Chicago where Lynn, Lynn throws so much. Um, Kopech is you know really relying on his fastball. Crochet is the same thing. Kimbrell's only a two-pitch pitcher. Hendrick relies a lot on the fastball. And then – you know, Cease is he's more of a movement guy, but he still has a really good fastball as well that he uses a lot of the time. Um, and then Rodon, who just kind of ran out of gas, like you said, for for not really pitching. It just, you know, before the season, I thought the White Sox, I had the White Sox in my World Series prediction. And, you know, I was kind of hoping that they would be able to pull it through. But the, this Houston team, they just look like that team from kind of 2017, 2018, 2019, that they just they hit so dang good. And maybe last year was just with the whole, you know, science and scandal being kind of unveiled and everything. It just maybe weighed on them a little bit extra. Um, but this team looks like it's back pretty much. Um, but if, yeah. if, if we had to pick an MVP from this, from this uh, series, who would you, who would you think? I mean, I think we pick, we're going to pick McCullers, you know, he pitched, you know, in those two games in the series, which I think was on three days rest the second time. Yeah. And he pitched 10 innings, uh, or 10 and two thirds innings, nine hits, uh, just one earned run, three walks and nine strikeouts. So, I mean, he was really the, the star of the series for the, for the Houston Astros. Um, you know, you look at the, the other guys here that, um, you know, 
that that pitch and the bullpen was also a big big help for them especially ryan presley you know pitched in three games didn't give up a run that that was good for them so um one one interesting point thing to point out here too and that wasn't when you talk about the pitching is zach granke actually came out of the bullpen he didn't start um he pitched one scoreless inning but he, he actually didn't start the series they gave the start to um to, to other guys so i thought that was kind of interesting but yeah i did not um, see that yep so um, and, and one one last thing to kind of close it out is you're talking about the 2017 2019 with the sign stealing and stuff, and um, that was actually a topic that was brought up during the series by the by the White Sox. So they basically accused the Astros of stealing signs when they were playing in Houston, saying that they hit a lot better there. Where I mean they do hit a little bit better at home, but the White Sox were actually had wider home road splits. So um, you know, I think they need to stop making baseless claims. I mean, the, the thing about Houston is they're always going to get that kind of talk because of what happened in the past. But, you know, I think that teams maybe need to worry about the, the White Sox need to worry about themselves a little bit more. Um, and then they intentionally were hitting people in game four when they were down big. So I didn't like that. But, um, you know, I think they're probably going to see some uh, some tempers when the two face off next year. But um We'll see. Uh, and, uh, you know, to close it out, it's a good series. Uh, you know, probably the least entertaining out of the four, honestly. But, um, you know, mainly because none of the games were really all that close. So um, definitely, definitely a definitely a big win for the Astros and they move on. So, yeah, well, uh, let's jump over to the other series in the AL. And that's going to be the um, number one seed Tampa Bay Rays against the wild card winners, Boston Red Sox. Uh, this is definitely a series I did not see going this way where the Red Sox ended up having two come behind or come from behind wins in games three and four um, in Fenway to walk off the Tampa Bay Rays and win this series three to one. Yeah, so, um, you know, this series started off with, with you know, the, the Boston or Tampa Bay winning at home. You know, they were they came out on fire. Randy Rosarina, uh, you know, after last year, the series, he, the, the postseason he had last year. Came out, hit a homer in game one, and stole home, a straight still of home in game one, which was really entertaining. Tampa really looked like they were going to be the team to beat. But, um, you know, give the Red Sox a lot of credit. They battled back game two. They got they got down early, but they came back with a couple of home runs. Actually, they hit, I think they hit five home runs in that game. Um, and then uh, games three and four were two of the most entertaining games of the postseason. Game three, you had a 13-inning game where um, with one of the strangest plays I think I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw, because you said you, you yeah. weren't able to catch all the games. but No, I, I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, so basically uh, at the plate you had Kevin Kiermeyer um, hit a ball. There was a runner on first. Kevin Kiermeyer came up, and he hit a really hot, high fly ball to right field, bounces off the track, or bounces off the wall, hits about halfway up the wall, bounces off the warning track, bounces off the outfielder, and goes over the wall. And so nobody knew how that was supposed to be ruled because, you know, if a player picks up the ball and throws it out of play, then it's up to the uh, umpire's discretion on what what base the player gets. So, you know, and there was no doubt in my mind because there were I think it was actually a hit and run too. So there's no doubt on my in my in anybody's mind that the runner would have scored from first and taken the lead. This was a, a one-one game in extra innings, but what they ruled was that that's actually and it, it was correct in the rule book. They ruled that that was a ground rule double. So 
the runner had to stop at third since there were two outs. The next guy came up and got out and the, ended the inning. So basically, um, the Rays really just kind of got screwed over by a really weird play that has a. I mean, it was a correct rule. They didn't get screwed, I guess, but it was a really, um, you know, really strange play that you know in a really unused rule very often. And then in the bottom of the inning, the, the Red Sox hit a two-run walk-off home run for Christian Vasquez, which. Of course, they scored two runs on it, so you know you could say that it didn't matter. But of course, the game might have gone differently had had it been, you know, it might have been played differently had the um, had the uh, ball been, yeah, had the guy scored. So we'll see. That was that was a really interesting play. I I, I think it's the first time I've ever seen that happen. So um, yeah, it's and, it's not yeah. the first time I've ever seen it happen. Um, I do know it was actually a game. I believe Tampa, it was Tampa Bay, and I want to say Toronto. Had it happen, it was a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, um, and it was down the line. And I be- who was it? It was their left fielder at the time um, picked it up, and actually it was the Rays fielding the ball, and the left fielder picked it up and like went to go pick it up in Tampa Bay, and it like rolled off his glove and into the stands or whatever, and they called it like Kevin Cash went out there and argued it, and they called it a uh, a ground rule double as well. So it wasn't the first time I'd seen a play like that. Um, but it was just a little different because this one was bounced off the wall and then, you know, it hit in that way where this one was like down the line. He tried to pick it up and, and, uh, you know, but definitely this is a, a bigger scenario that was in a regular season game. This is a playoff game, extra innings where, you know, the go ahead run would have scored. Um, I mean, he was already around third when they put their hands up in the outfield. That's, you know, that's how much with the hit and run going on, he absolutely was going to score on that. And Kiermaier might even got to third. I think he was standing on third actually. Um, by the time everything got sorted out, but you know, I, I didn't think that the Rays were going to be able to not really lose it, but I just, I thought their pitching would come through a little bit more, you know, the loss of Tyler glass now, and then they didn't even have put Yarborough on the, the, uh, on the roster for this series. They only had one left-hander and it just seemed like Boston found a way to, you know, to find their hitting. And it, it was really interesting as well because, um, by the time we we recorded this, nobody had known. But or by the time the else, God, I'm I'm messing this up big time. By the time the series started, there we go. We didn't know what the status of JD Martinez was because he actually sprained his ankle um, running out to the outfield because he has a ritual of stepping on second base in the wild card game, and nobody even knew if he was going to be on the roster um, to start this series. And then he ended up playing. And I think he pinch hit in game one, but then he ended up starting in game two and really in game two, that's kind of when the Boston offense kind of took off a little bit more. Um, But it was, it was one of those kind of like gutsy series kind of from Boston, like everyone counted them out and then they just found a way to make it happen. And then the Rays pitching, which had been their strong suit all year, which is one of their strong suits all the time, just kind of failed to deliver. Yeah. And uh, you know, one thing about that pitching that, I was, you know, watching the Brave series and Jeff Francoeur was talking about and it wasn't he wasn't necessarily talking about the Rays, but every time that bullpen door swings open, there's a chance you bring someone in that just doesn't have it that night. And when you get in the postseason and you start having the Rays have always been a team that that opens that bullpen door a lot and, and go, and, you know, they don't have they're kind of a positionless pitching team where they they don't really have defined starters, relievers. They just kind of throw everybody and um you know, you got in a situation where there were a couple of times they brought in somebody who didn't 
just didn't have it. I think Shane Baz pitched some. Uh, see, I think he actually started one of the games. So he didn't have it. Uh, you know, you had uh, Shane McClanahan didn't really have it in the final game of the series. So, you know, you end up in a situation where, you know, sometimes you just find a guy who, you know, it's just their off day. And, um, you know, when you start pitching five-game series, you know, you or four games in this case, and your, your guys are pitching every night. I mean, the, the Red Sox get four looks at a guy. And, you know, he's also maybe gets a little bit fatigued. It gets really tough to for that bullpen to, to really pitch well because those bullpen pitchers typically only have, you know, two pitches that are really good. That's why they're in the bullpen. They don't want someone seeing them a lot. And, uh, you know, that's something that to look at, you know, a lot of the teams that are real successful in the postseason have some of those really good starting pitchers. You think about, you know, the Dodgers have, you know, four really good starting pitchers. You think about, you know, 2019, the Nationals had Strasburg and Scherzer. You think about, you know, going back further, you know, the Astros, you know, Verlander, Cole, Grinky, whoever it might have been when the Astros were in it. Morton, yeah, I mean, everybody. So this is another case where I think that the bullpen, um, you know, maybe was – maybe was a little overused uh, in this series. But, I mean, you know, if you don't have any great starters that can go deep into games, I mean, you don't really have a choice. But uh, definitely an interesting series. Um, who, who do you think, uh, you know, looking at the series, stats and everything, who do you think MVP would, would be here? It really came down to a choice between either Kike Hernandez and J.D. Martinez. Um, but we had to give the edge to, to Kike Hernandez or Enrique Hernandez, however they want to say it. Um, but, you know, guy came out 450, uh, batting average of 429 on base, which is really weird. You very rarely see an on base below a batting average, so I don't know how that quite is. But he sack had a couple. Fly. That could, yeah, that is true. That's the walk off sack fly. Oh yeah. Game four. Yep. Right yeah. Um, but he had the most at bats for this team. Um, was the second highest batting average, right behind Martinez. A uh, couple big home runs for him, like Matt just said, the walk off sack fly to you know send. The Red or the Red Sox onto the next round of the playoffs, um, and he's a, finally a guy who's who's getting an everyday opportunity. He was a guy who always been really good with the Dodgers, and now he's getting his everyday opportunity, and he's proven it all year long. And and when the the uh, lights were the brightest, he definitely showed out the most for the Red Sox. Yeah, and he's also always been a great postseason performer. You think about the three home run game, the clinch against yep. the Cubs a while back. He had a couple home runs in the NLCS last year. He's a he's a guy who's always been a good postseason performer. So definitely an entertaining, definitely an entertaining series. Um, this was probably the most entertaining of the series that already finished. I would say. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of good, you know, a lot of good good baseball played by both teams, and uh, you know, obviously two walk-off games where which were obviously tied or tied in the ninth inning or or later as we saw in this one so uh definitely some good games good good series there and uh boston you know overcame a lot this year um there was a time there you know it looked like they weren't gonna make the postseason because of you know those the the the, the fact that the uh, Blue Jays, the Mariners, the Yankees were all hot on their tails, and then and then they had the COVID issues right at that same time, and it looked like they were going to fall out of it, but they kept pushing through it. And we'll see what they're able to do in the American League Championship Series against the Houston Astros. So, yeah, and we'll talk about that one in just a little bit. But uh, let's jump over to the NL side now, um, and then we'll talk with the NLDS with the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, so this was also a really good series. Uh, very low-scoring games. Uh, games one, two, and three, I think had a combined nine I think it had runs. a combined nine runs. Yeah, game one, the Brewers took two to one. 
Um, Charlie Morton looked really good in game one. And uh, he gave up a home run in the seventh inning to Rowdy Telez in a 0-0 game. Corbin Burns also looked good. He actually was a little bit off early in the game, but the Braves had some trouble getting runners in. Uh, they had hit runners on the corners in the first inning with nobody out, couldn't get them in, had a double play. And it was it was really a struggle. Uh, you know, Corbin Burns, I think, walked four or five guys in the game, but um, – but he he powered through it. He ended up getting really nice, having a really nice game. So the potential Cy Young winner, uh, you know, had a great postseason. I think that was actually his first uh, postseason start because last year he was injured um, when they played the Dodgers in the wild card series. But um, but he he looked good. Um, and then you know, game two, Max Fried just pitched a gem of a game, and that's just kind of what we're going to talk about here with the with this series was that Max Fried pitched a gem. Ian Anderson came in in Game Three, pitched a gem. Um, you know the Braves bullpen, which had been, you know, at, for most of the season was really, really, really bad and held them back a lot. They only allowed two runs in three games, so um, I mean, in four games, excuse me. So uh, and the, and that was in Game Four when they had Quascar and Noah came in in like the fifth inning and gave up a home run, and that was it. So. Um, Definitely some interesting stuff. Uh, game four was really entertaining. You had, uh, you know, back and forth game. The Brewers went up by two to nothing. Then the Braves came back, and the Brewers hit a Rowdy Telez hit another two run homer, and then the Braves came back again, and then Freddie Freeman hit a home run off Josh Hader in the eighth inning to put the Braves up uh, five to four, and uh, you know they were able to hold on in the ninth to get the win. So um, and close out the series. So it was, it was a very entertaining series. Uh, you know, great pitching all around. I mean, Brandon Woodruff pitched well in, in Game Two. He came, he actually came back on two days rest to pitch out of the bullpen in Game Four. Um, Charlie Morton pitched on three days rest in Game Four as well. So just a, a fantastic series. Um, you know, one that was you know very very reminiscent of what we saw from the Braves last year in the first two rounds of the postseason with the pitching. So uh, they had two shutouts again in this series. And last year, if you don't, if you remember, I think they had f- four shutouts in their first five postseason games. So, um, which was pretty crazy, but definitely an entertaining series. And uh, you know, the Braves are moving on to the NLCS. Yeah. I think my, the whole only issue that I had with this series was that the Braves reluctancy to bring burns back early on you know on three days rest in game four just to i I mean i know the the starter didn't he allowed two runs in lauer but i mean to me you have to have start burns there i mean they were trying to save him for a potential game five when you could have had woodruff in game five on full rest anyways Uh, i just you you had to bring burns in there it's such a big game it's a it's a do or die game and maybe he's able to you know not allow some of those, those two runs early that Lauer allowed. And then you don't have to go to the bullpen maybe so early. You can use your guys later on. Um, you know, it, it ended up being that it was a tie game and that Freeman hit the homer off Hater. But it's just it maybe it was a different game if they actually start Burns on three days rest instead of trying to hold them when you would have had, you know, a guy who's just as good in Woodruff um, start game five when you brought him out of the bullpen on Tuesday's rest. Anyways, it's just, it, it makes sense to me why they didn't start burns in that game. And maybe it, it would have pushed to a game five, um, you know, had he started a potentially, but um, I think overall we expected the Braves to win this. They're the better team. Um, they have better pitching. They're hitting even without Acuna, you know, Riley's really stepped up this year. Um, 
you know, Freeman's a Freeman. Albies is, is really insane right now. Um, you know, they have postseason jock for a reason. They, they don't call it Jocktober for no reason. Um, he came in, hit two homers. Uh, they did lose. The one thing is they did lose Jorge Soler to testing positive for COVID um, in the middle of the series. I'm not quite sure how that all means for the, like, if he's on the roster for the next one or if he's not, is he still eligible? Because, you know, if you take somebody off, you know, from an injured roster, um, then they can't come back the next series. So because he was out for COVID, is he ineligible for the next series in the uh, NLCS or, or what? So uh, to answer that, supposedly he can come back, but I think it has to be 10 days. So I think he would be able to potentially come back for game five. So um, then at, at that point, does that yeah. make like, so they, they replaced him with Pache. So if they bring Pache on that and he pull Pache off for, for Solaire, is Pache now ineligible if they were to move to the World Series? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know about that. that I mean, that, it's that's the thing. I mean, we we didn't get to see this at all last year, really. So I mean, I don't know. And so that, that's one thing because Solaire has actually been really good for the Braves as of late. Um, so it's really interesting for this. But like I, like I mentioned, I, I think we all expected the Braves to win this series, anyways. They're they're just their superior team to the Brewers. Um, the Brewers just kind of got their way through the. Uh, through the NL central, you know, who had those bad teams with the Cubs and the, the reds falling off as um, later on in the season and the pirates, but yeah, the, overall, the Brewers, yeah, the Brewers issue coming into the season was always going to be the offense and yeah. they were able to get a lot of, out of guys who weren't, you know, kind of top name guys, yeah. but you know, the, the pitching in that division is and, not good. So, and also it, it was big for the Brewers that they didn't have Devin uh, Williams. He ended up breaking his hand. I don't know if we talked about that on the last episode, but he ended up punching a wall or something and, and breaking his hand and he was unavailable. Um, you know, he's at, was going to be out until maybe the world series if they got there, but that was their second best reliever. That was the guy that they would bring in to bridge to Josh Hader. Um, and you know, maybe that's why they had to bring in Woodruff and other stuff during other games, but that, that was a big loss for them as well. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how much it ended up mattering the way the games flowed in the series, but no. still, you know, anytime you add that depth to your bullpen, um, you, you maybe end up pitching uh, Devin Williams earlier on in a game, or, you know, maybe he moved, bumped somebody up. I mean, they had a rookie throw in, in game four yesterday that gave up a run yeah. in uh, Aaron Ashby. So um, it was definitely something that was, you know, you, you would probably point to, but uh, definitely a uh, definitely entertaining series. Um, you know, as you mentioned on that, I wanted to point out on that Brewer, on that Corbin Burns thing. Um, you know, I don't know exactly why they went with Woodruff on two days rest in the by the bullpen over Burns on three days rest. Uh, well, I'm just but, talking about starting the game. Oh well, yeah, I'm, I know. I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I don't know why they went with that. But uh, you know, Corbin Burns has pitched out of the bullpen before, and I think the main reason is probably because they said, you know, they were talking about in game one that he has struggled in the first inning of appearances, getting the feel for his cutter. Uh, and that's really when people have gotten him. So maybe they felt like Woodruff would be a better option coming out of the bullpen than, than Corbin Burns. But I, I don't really know what the what the issue there was. But um, definitely, uh, definitely an interesting series. Um, you know, the Braves ended up pulling that one out and in four games and they'll move on. But uh, MVP real quick. Uh, we've talked about this one a lot, but uh, Freddie Freeman he hit the game winning home run, but he also had a really good series, had some couple doubles in the series. Uh, just a, uh, 
you know, a good job by him. I think he hit over, he hit 308 with a 471 on base and a 615 slugging in the series. So um, he was, you know, the Braves' best player, who's actually only one, one of only two Braves starters. Actually, three Braves starters did hit over, over an 800 OPS, but um, Freddie Freeman was definitely the, the guy to gotta watch in the series. So it was good stuff. Yeah, especially with him hitting that uh that big homer off Hater to uh to pretty much seal the the series. So, but let's move over to probably the most entertaining series for most people and the most uh most nerve wracking series and making my blood pressure boil. But that's the uh, the Giants and the Dodgers. Um, you know the biggest rivalry in the NL side. Um, and this we knew this series was going to be insane. Um, game one, Logan Webb was was just insane for the uh for the giants Walker Buehler didn't look that great gave up an early two run home run to Buster Posey in the first inning and that kind of just set the tone for it um you know and then Webb just had his dominant outing and, and shut the Dodgers out and then in game two it was kind of a different story Gossman kind of struggled a little bit and then Julio Urias um for the Dodgers was you know on his game as of as he has been this season um and then I think the real turning point in that game was when they walked, I believe it was Pollock in front of Urias, and then Urias got like an RBI single, um, and that kind of just allowed them to to even jump further. I think at that point it was a that was the first runs they had scored, and then the Giants got one, and then in the sixth inning it just kind of broke all open, um, and then they got to to game three. That was the game I wanted to talk about the most because that game was insane. Um, there was like 40, 50 mile an hour winds going around in, in LA and Dodger stadium, which is very, very rare. You never see that. Um, and the wind was blowing like a weird direction. It was from center field to right field. So any ball that like went from center field to right field was just going to be farther than any ball that was, you know, normally hit that way. And then left field, it would die down. So there was swings from both teams that you would thought were like for sure home runs, to the left field and then they would just they wouldn't even get to the warning track it would just die right in front um and then evan longoria hit one against max scherzer i believe it was in the when was that the seventh inning that he hit i think it was, it was like the fifth. sixth inning maybe fifth. fifth inning yeah yeah in the fifth and then that really was the only run that was scored is one nothing game but the the wind in this one was oh, i'm trying to find the exact stat there is something that overall in the game there was like 10 hit balls that had an expected batting average over like 700 or 750. Um, and none of them were hits like that. That's what it was. And even Gavin Lux's, he came in and, uh, you know, pinch hit um, in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. He hit one that everyone thought was for sure gone. It was to left center gap. Um, and it barely made it to the warning track and they caught it. And I believe it was Jeff Passan um, ended up tweeting it out. Something like, the ball that he hit was like 80 had an expected batting average of 870 on it and like 62 times this year though with the same like launch angle and um uh, velocity off, limit, yeah, velocity yeah. off of that like 62 times 55 out of the 62 were hits and like 38 of them were homers it was just it, it was one of those where the wind just kind of took everything over and it, it was a really fun game. Don't get me wrong, because just watching, I mean, at one point it blew Max Scherzer off the mound even. Like he he went to go do a pitch and he lost his balance because the wind gusted him off. Um and then, you know, yesterday's game they had, which was a potential uh, game or series clinching for the Giants. Um they started Anthony D. Sclafani and uh, the Dodgers have, have 
hit DiScalfani really well this year. Um, and ended up the, the game was a lot closer for longer than people it felt like. It really felt like it was a seven nothing game right away because I think the Dodgers scored within like three batters of the game, and then again in the second, uh, Giants Giants just kept getting themselves out of jams somehow. Yeah, and, and they and in game four the the Dodgers started Walker Bueller on the three days rest. He asked for the ball. Um, and it really felt like he was much better than he was in game one. It felt like his command was a lot better. He wasn't trying to overuse the fastball. He was able to rely on those secondary pitches a lot more. Um, and it really kind of set the tone for the team just to go out there and be comfortable. But this game five is going to be something you're going to have Logan Webb pitching at home, um, where he's been dominant all year long against the Dodgers, where he's been dominant all year long. And then you're going to have Julio Arias who has pitched really well against the giants has pitched, I think, three games in San Francisco this year, and he's given up like a combined three runs um, or something. So the game tomorrow between this, it, it's the only game that's going to be on. So if you guys are anywhere near TV, throw it on. It's going to be uh, be nerve-wracking. And if you hear any screaming, it's probably me from California. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for tomorrow night's game too. Um, you know, winner take all. I think they said this is the third time ever the Dodgers and Giants will play a winner-take-all game. And one of them, was, they were both in Brooklyn. and uh, the, the Dodgers were in Brooklyn and the Giants were in New York. And then uh, and then the last time was like in the 60s. So I don't, uh, def- I don't know about that because this is the first time the Dodgers and Giants have well, they were, ever they met were in the playoffs. Winner-take-all winner games, but not playoff games. So like end of the, end of the year division, winner-take-all. Oh, maybe. Yeah, but it, that's insane in itself. It's 150 years, and it's the first time the two biggest rivals here have met in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that, so, that's that's crazy. But yeah, but so um, it'll be it, an interesting – yeah. It'll yeah, be an interesting game five for sure. It definitely will be, and we wanted, we talked about MVPs of the other series, and I just wanted to mention the MVPs of this series is either going to be Logan Webb or Julio Arias because they've both had dominant games early on, and then they're facing head-to-head. Um, this game and it's really going to be which one of those guys kind of blinks first um, I really feel it's going to be one of those low scoring maybe one nothing two one type games that the pitching is going to be so dominant somebody's gonna have to scratch like early and, and get on the board and that that's going to really ride it out from there so if we had to pick one it'd probably be out of those two yeah the pressure will be on in this game and uh, I think it, you could really see a game that ends up a lot like the wild card game with two teams that you know are having a really hard time scoring and you know it going going late with these two pitchers throwing so we'll see uh it'll be interesting but uh winner will uh you know obviously winner take all tomorrow night it's what you love everyone says best words in game sports are game seven and uh this is technically game seven but it's a, the same thing as a game seven so uh buckle up it's gonna be fun it absolutely is Let's jump over to looking at the ALCS, um, and then we'll we'll kind of briefly go over the NLDS. But although we don't know what the matchup would be, um, but the NLD or ALDS or gosh, sorry, I'm messing this all up. The ALCS game one will be Friday. Um, I believe it will be in Houston. Uh, it'll be at eight oh seven Eastern time on Fox. Um, and then it'll go through Saturday and that. But who do you think really has the edge in this series? Are you going to go with the Red Sox, who have been as of late? Or are you going to go with the Astros, who have kind of been around all the time? Yeah, I mean, this is this series, these teams seem very evenly matched, honestly. Uh, you know, you got the Astros. They've got some, some – I think they're maybe a little bit deeper in their lineup. Um, you know, they, they've got some guys who, you know, have – they've both got guys who have a lot of experience. Talk about the Red Sox with Devers, Bogarts. J.D. Martinez, 
among others, Kike Hernandez, all these guys, uh, Schwarber, uh, and then you got the the Astros have a, a you know all the guys with experience, you know Correa, Altuve, um, Bregman, Gurriel. I just think they're a little bit deeper with with Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker going along with those guys as well, Michael Brantley. Um, and, but you you know you look at the you look at the pitching because I think the lineups are pretty equal. Maybe the Astros have a slight edge in the lineup, but it's it's pretty even. And uh, pitching wise, I think a lot depends on for for one thing the health of Chris Sell. How much is he going to be able to pitch in this series? You know, is he going to be able to start games? Is he going to be you know himself in when he does pitch? How well is he going to is he going to do? Um, but uh, I honestly. You know, I like the I like the pitching of the, the Red Sox just a little bit better, at least the starting pitching. I like Evaldi a little bit better than anybody the Astros have. Um, you know, I think that you go by, beyond that. I think Eduardo Rodriguez might be a key as well. He's a guy who had a really good second half but struggled a little bit in the playoffs so far. Um, so I think you might look at Eduardo Rodriguez, which version of him is going to show up in this game uh, or in this series. So, um you know, and and the bullpens I think are pretty equal. This this should be a really entertaining series. I think there's going to be a pretty good amount of runs scored in this series as well, um, because I think both of these lineups can really hit. And not that the pitching staffs are bad, but you don't have a lot of just dominant pitching in this series for either team. So it should be a very entertaining series. I think there's going to be a lot of runs scored. Um, you know, I think this will be a one one that people are going to remember. If you just had to make a a blind quick prediction. Who are you going with, and in how many games? Um, if I had to pick, I would probably go with the Astros in seven games. They, they'll have the home field advantage too. If they play Game Seven, it'll be in Houston. So, all right, I will go with Boston in six. I don't know. It just it has one of those feels of that that Boston those Boston years where they just they maybe they're not the best team, but they just always find a way to win. And I like the energy that they have right now. So I'm gonna go with Boston in six for sure uh, for that one but we can kind of look at the nlcs a little bit well you know it's going to be either the giants or the dodgers we know that against the braves um uh, it would be two different things because the braves would if they play the dodgers the braves would have the home field advantage um if they play if the giants are in then the giants will have the home field advantage so we'll have to work around that a little bit but you know which team maybe this is the way to ask it as a braves fan which team would you rather face well, I think as a Braves fan, I'd much rather face the Giants. I think a lot of their success this year has been, you know, a lot of one-run wins, a lot of close close games, being able to put, get clutch hits at the right times, and, um, you know, but – and also a little bit of luck, I think, has, has been the case for the Giants. You know, stuff like in, in Game 2 – I mean, in Game 3, they had a lot of luck in that game the other day. So I think the Dodgers are – the deeper team in both pitching and hitting. Um, you know, I think the Giants have some veteran players who probably handled the situation just a little bit better than, than some, a couple of the Dodgers player, younger players do. Um, but I definitely am in, in the in the case that I think the Giants are a much more beatable team than the Dodgers, even though, even though the Braves would have to play on the road um, in games one and two against the Giants. I think they're definitely a, a more beatable team. Yeah, and I think that the what that is is if it's against the Giants, the Giants starting pitching isn't as strong. Like Webb is great, Gossman is has been really good, but you know, Wood, who pitched a fantastic game three, we didn't even mention him against the Dodgers, he pitched a great game three. 
he he can be hittable at times. And then Discofani hasn't really been what he was early on in the season. He's really struggled as of late. And then they don't really have you know anything else in the starting pitching wise behind that. I mean, Johnny Cueto. I don't even think he's on the roster. He might be hurt even. I'm I'm not even sure. But the I, I if it was the Braves and that I think the Braves would have a little bit of an advantage. But I I was talking to my buddy the other day. And doesn't this just feel like one of those giants, like even year magics? I know it's 2021 and it's not, it's an odd year, but doesn't it just feel like one of those years where it's just like that even magic year? Like, man, they shouldn't be this good here. They are, but they're just going to find some way to consistently win. And even in the playoffs, they're going to find that late hit, that kind of clutch hit. It just feels like that kind of year. Do you get that same kind of vibe? A little bit. Uh, the, the, the thing that I worry about with the giants is I just don't, think they're as talented as those teams were um you know i know they're very talented they're a lot more talented than we gave them credit for and of course you know manager gabe kapler has done a great job this year mixing and matching the pieces they have but um i just don't especially believe that they're gonna be able to pull out you know i got guys like you know they've got such great contributions from guys like lamont wade uh guys like darren ruff um you know, and 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 of course, all their veteran players, they're, they're yeah. veterans. And, you know, Brandon Crawford had an MVP caliber year. Buster Posey, when he's played, he's had some injury and, and workload management type stuff. But when he's played, he's been incredible this year. Hit over 300 this year. Um, you know, I, I think that it does feel like one of those years to a certain level. I mean, they won 107 games when they really were probably more like an 85, 86 win team. I mean, um, you know, they've had a lot of magical moments this year, won the division. They were the first team to win that division other than the Dodgers since like 2012, I think. So it's been a long time for, for that. But um, I mean, if I look at the Giants, I mean, you know, looking at it on paper, I just don't expect them to be able to win the World Series this year. I, I really don't. I, I think they're good. I think they're way better than anybody ever thought they would be this year. They definitely deserve to be there. They've, they've done all they could. They won all the games, but I just, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, and I feel like they're putting up a much bigger fight than I thought they would in the postseason. But this is a team that I really don't believe is going to, I don't believe that they're going to be able to beat um, to win the World Series. Now, they might beat the Braves. You know, the Braves only won 88 games, and they're missing their best player, and they're missing, you know, one of their key contributors that, that replaced that player now in the in the in LCS. So they could beat the Braves, but I just don't see that it being the, that, that type of year for them. But um, definitely a very entertaining season for the Giants, so. Yeah, and then if, you know, if, we, if it was the Dodgers and the Braves, it's going to be the rematch of what we saw last year. Although both teams might be missing their best player this year, I mean Acuna is out for the uh, for the Braves, and then Max Muncie, it sounds like he would even be out for the NLCS um, as well with his dislocated elbow. Uh, it, but it would just be that rematch of what we saw last year. Those two teams that just dogfight. The Braves blew that lead, the three one lead. The Dodgers came back somehow. I know how how the hell they did that, but then um, I, I just think that. The, this year, the teams might even be even more matched, like evenly matched this year than they were last year because the emergence of Riley is a big step for the Braves. He was a guy who the Dodgers really exploited last year um, you know, against them. Dansby has been really good this postseason. You still have Jock who can 
against the Dodgers, he'd probably play a lot of the time because you know, you'd probably start him against righties, I would assume, especially if Soler's out, you would think, right? Yeah, they probably will start Jock against righties the rest of the postseason, especially like even with Soler healthy, um, you know, Jock probably starts starts against righties just because he's hitting real well right now. So yeah, and then the starting pitching really, I mean, it's it really matches up well with Freed, Anderson, Morton, who have all shown in the postseason they can do really. I think Ian Anderson's still undefeated in his postseason career, if I saw that right. Um, Freed has just been insane in his postseason career so far. Morton, we always know he's such a big game pitcher. And then you look at the Dodgers side, you have Bueller, who's one of the big game pitchers as well. You have Scherzer, who is, you know, Max Scherzer, we know him. He's just as good as he's ever been. And then Urias, who has been, you know, probably, he's probably been a, a Cy Young candidate pitcher this year, and he's just not going to get the credit because he's, everyone else has had an insane year that, that we're talking about. You know, with Kershaw being out and then with Soroka being out, that kind of one pitcher is kind of out for each one. I know we didn't really see Soroka at all the past couple of years, but still. Um, and so I feel like starting pitching matches up well. The bullpen is where I think maybe the, the real divide is because you said the Braves bullpen hasn't been strong this season, although they have performed this postseason so far. And it just feels like the, the bullpen is, is a real strength for the Dodgers right now. Yeah, I, I can see I can see your where you're coming from there. Um, I think the Dodgers lineup is still deeper than the Braves. Um, and because you look at the Braves lineup and, and you go down the, that list and missing Ronald Acuna Jr. is such a huge deal because, I mean, you're looking at replacing a guy who was probably going to run away with MVP this year with, you know, Eddie Rosario, who's a pretty good player, but, you know, he's not... Ronald Acuna Jr. You replace him with Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, whenever he comes back, if he comes back this year um, from the COVID issue, um, you know, and and Jock Peterson, who can be really good, but at times, you know, all these guys have major disadvantages to them. So, um, but but really, your point comes through with, with the Braves bullpen, and I think the biggest issue for me with the Braves bullpen is the depth of it. Right now, there's really only three pitchers you can trust at all out of that Braves bullpen. I mean, Tyler Matzek's been really, really good in the postseason and, and all year. Luke Jackson's had a great year. You know, you can trust those two guys in setup roles. You can kind of trust Will Smith as a guy who has closed a lot of games this year, had, didn't give up a run in the division series, it, pitching in three games, um, had a good Finish. He had a really rough stretch for about a month and a half coming down down the stretch late in the season, but the last week or so was a lot better. Um, so he's kind of turning it around a little bit. But um, and then you got an, a wild card in AJ Minter, who since coming back from AAA late in the season has been a lot better. And you know we saw what he did in the postseason last year. He's been a great postseason pitcher in his career. So you know you you got some guys, but. Beyond that, I mean, you're talking about a couple rookies. You're talking about a couple guys who have really underperformed this year, guys who have struggled as of late. You know, Huskar Anoa has struggled as of late. Drew Smiley um, is, is a part of that bullpen right now. I mean, you've got, you know, Dylan Lee's a rookie who has pitched like two innings above AAA in his career. So um, you're looking at a team that, a bullpen that just doesn't have a ton of depth. So they're going to have to rely on their starters to go deep into games. Now, of course, you can bring in a Drew Smiley to get some innings and not give up a sh just a ton of runs. 
uh, in a game, but you're looking at kind of like what I was talking about earlier in a five game series, but this being even more magnified in a seven game series, you know, you're going to give a lot of looks at these guys out at the bullpen to the Dodgers. You know, if you come into these and all these games are close and they end up having to pitch four or five, six times in the seven game series, you're giving them a lot of looks. And I think that's a little bit of what happened last year in the series was that, you know, the Braves bullpen started to get hit late in the series just because they, the Dodgers started seeing these two pitch pitchers so much. They kind of had seen what they had to offer. So I think that's something that you're definitely going to look at when it comes to um, the series. And I think that the Braves are going to win it. They're going to have to win it kind of early. So, yeah, it is interesting that, you know, too bad we don't know the exact matchup, so we can't really dive into it a lot more. But I think we did a, a pretty good job of giving kind of what both uh, both series would kind of look like. Yeah, and, and I will say, you know, talk about the pitching matchups that uh, the Braves are in a great spot from from winning them four games. They are going to have Charlie Morton able to or they're going to have Max Fried ready to start on. I guess a couple of extra days of rest on Saturday and then Max and uh, Charlie Morton will actually have regular rest on Sunday. So they are going to have their two top guys ready to go on time. And then Anderson will pitch game three. So the Braves are in perfect pitching situation. And, uh, you know, we'll see where the Dodgers or Giants are at after tomorrow. Cause I mean, there's a pretty good chance. I feel like if, you know, the Dodgers end up throwing a Max Scherzer out of the bullpen tomorrow or the Giants end up throwing a, uh, you know, Kevin Gossman out of the, well, Kevin, I think, yeah, Kevin Gossman out of the bullpen, something like that. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't expect Scherzer to come out of the bullpen tomorrow. They've pretty much said it's unlikely anyways. Um, they've pretty much just set him up for the, uh, for the game one start. And if, I mean, if that is the case, then it would be Scherzer on regular on rest. Bueller would start game two on rest and then Urias would start game three on rest as well so i don't think that the the matchups i think more it would be for the giant side because they're using logan webb tomorrow where they would have to start a gossman on and um, i would i would imagine that unless the giants were up big that gossman would come out of the bullpen because he's got a lot of experience doing that yeah I, maybe i mean unless they unless they do know that they can win but we'll uh that that is going to be interesting to see, but I doubt at least that Scherzer. If if it was for the Dodgers, I think the pitching is lined up a little bit better um, to handle it going into the next series with them having uh, having Bueller started yesterday and then not really wanting to use Scherzer uh, for Game Five. So having the option to use Urias at least. But that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode of everything that we can really talk about. Next time we come to you, I. We might try to do it on Monday since there's only the one game with the Red Sox and Astros, and that'll give us a good, um, you know, we'll have two games of each of the series to kind of talk about. If, if that works with you, we'll talk about that off uh, off air, but that'll probably be that, you know, we'll, it's going to be sometime in the middle of the ALCS. So we'll let you know what's going on there and, and kind of what we are looking forward to um, going forward. But you have anything else that you want to, you want to wrap up on? Uh, nope. Just, uh, you know, I'm excited for these, uh, you know championship series games ready for them to get going i can't wait for tomorrow night's game it's going to be a great one to watch um and i'm very glad that i'm going to be able to sit back and wait for our, the, my team's opponent instead of having right. to be a part of that game because i know how that game goes sometimes so yeah uh and you know, just one quick thing i want to say if you guys don't know where to find them um the alcs will be on fox and the nlcs will be on tbs um, so that's where you can you can find those games. They haven't announced really start times for any of the other ones outside of Friday, which would be um, that five, uh, five my time, eight Eastern time. So, 
But anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys uh, next week. Thanks, everybody. You are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt.